I'm reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 9, Chapter 24, Text Number 61. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Kalau Janishyamananam Dukashoka Tamonudam Anugrahaya Bhaktanam Supunyam Vyatanod Yasha. Kalau, in this age of Kali, Janishamananam of the conditioned souls who will take birth in the future. Dukashoka Tamanudam to minimize their unlimited unhappiness and lamentation, which are caused by ignorance. Anugrahaya, just to show mercy. Bhaktanam to the devotees. Supunyam, very pious transcendental activities. Vyatanot, expanded. Yasha his glories, or reputation. Translation, to show causeless mercy to the devotees who would take birth in the future in this age of Kali, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna acted in such a way that simply by remembering him, one will be freed from all the lamentation and unhappiness of material existence. In other words, he acted so that all future devotees, by accepting the instructions of Krishna consciousness stated in Bhagavad Gita could be relieved from the pangs of material existence. Purport, the Lord's activities of saving the devotees and killing the demons, paritra naya sadhunam vinashaya chudushkritam, take place side by side. Krishna actually appears for the deliverance of the sadhus or bhaktas, but by killing the demons, he shows shows them mercy also. For anyone killed by Krishna is liberated. Whether the Lord kills or gives protection, he is kind to both the demons and the devotees. We find this in the seventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the discussion with Parikshit Maharaj and Shukadeva Goswami. And Parikshit Maharaj's question about whether Krishna is partial to his devotees. And Shukadeva Goswami answers that actually he's equal to everybody, but we prepare ourselves in various ways. And just as students are able to take more or less from their teachers according to how prepared they are and how, how much they apply themselves. So similarly, the devotees, because they cultivate Krishna consciousness and they prepare themselves. Urdvam gachanti sattvasta, that they go upwards. Those who, who are devas, they're staying, they stay in the mode of, of goodness. They go upwards. 
madhyam chishtanti rajasa, those in the mode of rajas, they stay in the middle position. Mm. And then jaganyaguna vrittista, at those who are in the, in the abominable mode of ignorance, if you touch that mode, then adogachanti tamasa, then you go downwards. And so he says that actually everybody, according to how they're associating with the modes of nature and the modes that they're acquiring, then is more or less receptive to Krishna. So the reason that Krishna comes to the world is to clear the way so that those who are keeping themselves ready can go back home back to Godhead. However, we can't do it just by the mode of goodness. In the Gita says, Yesham tuntakatam papam jananam punyakarmanam te dhonva muhanir mukta bhajantimam dridavrta. Those who are in the mode of goodness, they have a, a clearer idea about devotional service and they're able to perform the bhakti with determination, but it is not the only qualification. It is a great assistant. One must have the association of the great devotees and one has to have Shastra and the practice of devotional service. Prahlad Maharaj, when he was explaining the process of devotional services, which means that unless one gets the association of a niskinchana, a devotee who doesn't want anything, is not interested in the material world at all, is only focused on Krishna. And uh, he says, Rajobishekam one should really absorb oneself in the service of such a devotee and hear from such a devotee. And by that uh, process, uh, one can make advancement in devotional service and by Shastra. Uh, here in this uh, purport, Prabhupada mentions that Krishna left behind Bhagavad Gita so we could take advantage. And I woke up this morning thinking about how it is that the the modern world, uh, which depends on ideas like humanism, relativism, everything's relative, humanism, it's all just about human beings and how we can uh, cooperate together, be moral, there is no absolute. Then uh, people use science to speculate. We're not anti-science, obviously. I do use toothpaste. I don't know how they got it in the tube, but they figured it out and I use it. Uh, but the fact is that to understand the goal of life or to, be, to align oneself perfectly so that one's happy is not possible through mental speculation. I quoted the other night from Brahma where he says, Jnane prayasam udapasyanamante eva jivanti san mukaritam bhavridiyavartam he says, give up the idea that by your own power, you can attain Krishna. And don't speculate. Don't try to use your intelligence. Be completely dependent on 
the descent of mercy that comes from Krishna to the Prampra and hear and hear from him. So he says, This is how to prepare yourself, put yourself in this uh, position of submissively hearing from the sadhus and from the shastra. So as I was saying, when I was waking up this morning, I was thinking how much anxiety people are in. They concoct various ways of organizing society, of voting for different people, uh, for, you know, just piecing everything together with their own intelligence. And it causes a lot of stress. And uh, however, I was feeling so fortunate as my uh, feet hit the floor this morning and I was thinking, wow, I can take shelter of Bhagavad Gita. And it's Ashavmurva. It's perfect. It doesn't come from a mundane source. It comes from the, the perfect source of Krishna's intelligence. Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says, in the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in his purport, is the Vedic intelligence. It's all compact in 700 verses, the Vedic intelligence. And when you have Vedic intelligence, it's perfect. And you can tell Bhagavad Gita is perfect. I was thinking today also as I was looking out the window and watching how the birds and the squirrels are picking through the persimmon tree. This is the time of year. Persimmons are the most, one of the most sublime fruits, at least for California. I mean, the color of it, a perfect saffron color, and it has an otherworldly flavor, persimmons. The birds know that, the squirrels know that, everybody knows it. So I was thinking, how do they know when they found a ripe fruit? Because they pick through, they go, nah, not that one, nah, not that one. <laughs> there it is, grab it. When they see a ripe one, they go for it. I, I was thinking, even a bird knows what a ripe fruit looks like and tastes like. Like, how do they know? They got a little bird brain. Everybody knows what ripe means. And when you taste the Srimad Bhagavatam or you taste the Bhagavad Gita, it's sweet. That's why they go for it. It's sweet. It tastes good. It's ripe. And when we taste that flavor of the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam, then we feel satisfaction and we're able to when we're able to take advantage of it, then we can perfect our lives and we can become happy. Krishna says, it was funny because I went on a walk with Nirakula today and I was giving her these thoughts and I quoted a verse from the Bhagavad Gita, Ye Shastra Vinamutsrija Vartate Kamakarata Nasa Sinamavapnoti Nasukam Naparamgadim. Krishna says this in Bhagavad Gita that without Shastra, Ye Shastra Vinamutsrija. If you give up Shastra, you're not going to get Sukham, happiness, and you're not going to get Paramgatim. You're not going to get the supreme destination. You can't. Uh, and when we came home, I was uh, taking some prasadam and listening to the little red box that you all know about. Um, if you don't, call me afterwards. Um, it has all Prabhupada's lectures on it. And Prabhupada was quoting the same verse and saying the same thing that without Shastra, that you can't get happiness and you can't uh, get the perfection in life. So this is Krishna's kindness when he comes uh, in the Sri Chaitanya Charamita, in the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaputta's Srila Sanatana Goswami, 
uh, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from his lotus mouth, he quotes a beautiful verse that says that with just by speaking one time to Arjuna, the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna saved the whole world. <laughs> That's how powerful Krishna is when he speaks. He spoke one time the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna and he saved the whole world just from that one one dialogue that only took a few minutes, and then he saved the whole world. So then it's a matter of who will take advantage of that, who can take advantage of it. And taking advantage of it means adopting the tenets that Krishna teaches there and molding one's life around the process of devotional service. And that's what Krishna comes to show personally that. I'm a person and you, you're caught, he says in these, these um, upadis. Everyone has an upadi. Some people think, I was noticing, some people think I'm a Republican, some, some people think I'm a Democrat. And then they suffer. I've watched they suffer because they're going like, oh no, this, that, and like, 50% of the people going, oh, no, this, and the other 50% go, oh, no, that. And why? Because you identify, all right, we'll just switch sides. Whoever wins, just say, okay, now I'm one of those. <laughs> and you won't be worried anymore. Uh, I, I'm not saying nothing matters. That's not my point. Things do matter. But the way, if we, if we take ourselves above the material world, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching uh, Rupa Goswami said the, the, the universes to Krishna are about as significant as mustard seeds. Have you ever seen in a spice shop the huge burlap bag full of uh, mustard seeds? How many are in there? Who, who's ever counted them? I don't think, oh, good, good for you, Monisha. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could count them. I mean, if you took them to MIT and said, uh, figure out how to count these, I don't know if they could do it. And so Mahaprabhu says, all the universes, they're like these mustard seeds. And if one falls out, two falls out, a whole handful falls out. Nobody even notices. It's so insignificant. However, I become focused in, uh, in my upadi, my designation that I'm this body and I have a particular identification in this body because of the predisposition I have to the world or that I develop while I'm here because of my association with the modes of nature. Purusha prakriti stohi bhunte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janmasu. When you associate, you take on a particular set of ideals and so and um, you 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 become predisposed to thinking in, in a particular way. This upadi, the best Example comes in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Rupa Goswami gives this example. If you take a crystal, it's just pure and clear, and you put a red rose next to it, then the crystal appears to be red. So we're also pure spirit souls. However, when we put the conception, the bodily conception next to us, then that pure spirit soul appears to be connected to the material world. 
a sangohyaya purusha. It's not connected at any time. It just appears to be, just as the crystal appears to be red. It's not red. It's only because of its association with, with the rose that it appears to be red. So the process of devotional service is what Krishna came to teach. And by following that, then sarvopadi vanirmuktam tapratvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchite. If you engage your senses in the service of the master of the senses, then they gradually become purified and the upadis or the designations that, that cause us to think that I'm part of this material world become gradually purified and, and diminished. And then uh, the real designation emerges as we come to the, the platform of Shuddha Sattva, which is Jivera Surupoi Krishnera Nityadas. And that is that my eternal position is I'm a servant of Krishna. And from that uh, position of serving Krishna, that serving identity, if I'm fixed in that, then I'm, my senses become purified, my upadis become cleared, and then there's actual progress in life and the connection to the material world is destroyed. So the contamination of the material world has to be purified for us to become satisfied and happy. The primary means is for us as passed down through the Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna Varnam Tusha Krishnam Sango Pangashta Parshanam Jagnai Sankirtana Prayer Yajantihi Sumeda Saha. It's the Sankirtan Yajna. Uh, this is uh, the process for the age of Kali that is all perfect. When you chant Hare Krishna, you come directly in contact with Krishna and all of his energies are personally present. Namna makari bahuda nijab sarva shaktis tatrarpita niyamitas manane nakala itadrishi tava kripa bhagavan mamapi durdaiva midrishami hajani ranuragaha. That his full potencies are there in the holy name. But we have to chant uh, without offenses. This uh, is mentioned in the Chaitanya Charamrita Adi 8, 29 through 30. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught this verse, if one chants the exalted holy name of the Lord again and again, and yet his love for the Supreme Lord does not develop, and tears do not appear in his eyes, it is evident that because of his offenses in chanting, the seed of of the name of Krishna does not sprout. And so Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about the, um, the ways that uh, the, we're affected by the 10 offenses. There's only uh, 10 things standing between us and Prema, and that is the 10 offenses. And so uh, he talks about how uh, all the offenses, they're called aparatas. So apa means uh, down. And the radha means the pleasure or satisfaction that you give to Krishna. That's, as I said, jivera surupahoy krishnana nityadas. That's the, the servant thinks, how can I give pleasure to the master? And, and that's the way we enjoy. But if we do aparada, then the enjoyment, the way we're acting is not causing, giving pleasure to the object of our 
service, but is actually making pleasure go down. And this is uh, an obstacle in the process of devotional service. And he says, does Bhakti talk or that the root cause of the uh, aparadas is matsarya. What does the name um, matsarya remind you of? Or what word is in it that you can name an object? So from Sanskrit. In fact, uh, we use it in our uh, one of our book distribution organizations, Matsarya. Go ahead. And then that was a hint also I just gave you when I said, go ahead. What? Matsya. Matsya, yeah, so fish. So Matsarya generally means envy. So where does that word come from? Matsarya comes from the word Matsya, fish. So you're fishy. So how, how is envy like fish? So the reason that word is there is because fish in the water, the bigger fish, if you watch, they're always swimming around and thinking how to eat the smaller fish. Because the big fish thinks, I don't want the small fish to grow up. Because if the, if the small fish grows up, he's going to start eating all my stuff, and he might even eat me. So I'll eat him first. And this is ahastani sahastanam aparani chatushparam palguni tatramahatam jivo jiva sajivanam. The, the mood of exploitation and envy is there throughout the material world. And who was it who's studying economics, who told us the other day? In her study of economics, she found the first thing in the textbook was, it's the study of uh, scarce resources. That's uh, Tulsi, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I remember that also. I took a class in economics and it said, <laughs> we're dealing with scarce resources. And I was thinking, nah, uh Om Purnam Purnamidam Purnat Purnam Udachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vishishite. There's no scarcity. But it, material mentality is because I'm cut off from my source and from the perfect whole, then I think everything's scarce. So I'm fighting for resources. So Jivo Jiva Sajivanam, one living being is food for another, and I have to survive by eating the smaller fish. That's Matsya fishiness or matsarya so he explains bhaktivinoda Thakur, that we go through this process of losing our way in the material world and becoming affected by these um, low qualities because of carelessness in moving about the world and then he gives the verse jayato vishayam pum sam sangas teshu bhajayate sangat sanjayate kama kama krodo bhajayate this verse describes how by being out of alignment and misinformed and looking at the material world as a place of enjoyment and i become attached to it and after i become attached to it then i become um, overwhelmed, sangas teshu pajayate, sangat sanjayate, kama, the kama or the, the intense desire for it, kama krodo, there's uh, anger after I don't get what I want, bijayate. And then uh, because of that, I lose my memory and I forget what my purpose in life is. is. So again and again, 
one is becoming overwhelmed by this and misled. So uh, Lord Krishna comes to give the process through which we can realign our senses in devotional service. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught the process of chanting the holy name, which purifies us and puts us directly in contact with Lord Krishna. And then he also, as I read this verse today, we're just approaching, this is the last chapter before the 10th canto uh, and the appearance of, of Lord Krishna. He personally appears and shows his activities in Vrindavan with his devotees, intimate pastimes. And so by hearing Krishna Kata, in the association of advanced devotees and chanting the holy name of the Lord for a long time without offenses, then one can gradually overcome the anartas and become situated in the um, direct process of devotional service. Well, that is the direct process of devotional service, but it will be free from the anartas. And then it will be uh, with heart fully invested in, uh, in the process of devotional service, bhava and then prema. So this is uh, the, the purpose of life. And I'll read the verse again, just so you, as a reference. To show causeless mercy to the devotees who would take birth in the future, in the age of Kali, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna acted in such a way that simply by remembering him, one will be freed from all the lamentation and unhappiness of material existence. In other words, he acted so that all future devotees, by accepting the instructions of Krishna consciousness stated in Bhagavad Gita, could be relieved from the pangs of material existence. And the purport, the Lord's activities of saving the devotees and killing the demons, take place side by side. Krishna actually appears for the deliverance of the sadhus or bhaktas, but by killing the demons, he shows them mercy also. For anyone killed by Krishna is liberated. Whether the Lord kills or gives protection, he is kind to both the demons and the devotees. And now we'll just take a few uh, questions or reflections, anything that you've heard so far. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Uh, could you please share the verse that you read, uh, that you just read, Prabhu, the verse number? Yes, sir. Yes, Gandharvigaratha Devidasi, it is 924-61. Thank you, Prabhu. I had one quick question, Prabhu. First of all, thank you very much for giving that example of a fish. I never knew like uh, the fishy and how it's connected to being envious and that's a very perfect example of our consciousness uh -huh. when we carry envy in our hearts that's exactly what happens and uh, one thing that i you know, i was trying to understand more is prabhu you said that we desire for something and we don't get it and then we become angry and we lose the purpose of life uh, could you please explain more on that, elaborate more on the sequence of events that happens there? Sure. Let's read uh, the verse. Could you please bring up Jayato Vishayam Pumsam Sangasteshu Pujayate? Kindly. 
While contemplating the objects of the senses, a person develops attachment for them. And from such attachment, lust develops, and from lust, anger arises. Next verse. Okay, purport. One who is not Krishna conscious is subjected to material desires while contemplating the objects of the senses. The senses require real engagements, and if they are not engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord, they will certainly seek engagement in the service of materialism. In the material world, everyone, including Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma, to say nothing of other demigods in the heavenly planets, is subjected to the influence of sense objects. And the only method to get out of this puzzle of material existence is to become Krishna conscious. Lord Shiva was deep in meditation, but when Parvati agitated him for sense pleasure, he agreed to the proposal, and as a result, Kartikeya was born. When Haridas Thakur was a young devotee of the Lord, he was similarly allured by the incarnation of Maya Devi. But Haridas easily passed the test because of his unalloyed devotion to Lord Krishna. As illustrated in the above-mentioned verse of Sri Jamunacharya, a sincere devotee of the Lord shuns all material sense enjoyment due to his higher taste for spiritual enjoyment in the association of the Lord. That is the secret of success. One who is not, therefore, in Krishna consciousness, however powerful he may be in controlling the senses by artificial repression, is sure to ultimately fail, for the slightest thought of sense pleasure will agitate him to gratify his senses. Let's look at the word for word again before we go to the next verse. Uh, yeah, jayata, contemplating. So this means we're looking at sense objects and we're considering them favorable for us. And actually, the reason this never works is we, are, we can't... Uh, Ultimately, we can't enjoy the sense objects. First of all, we never actually touch them. We don't come in contact with them because we don't see the world directly. We see it uh, reflected on our chitta. The chitta is the surface upon which we, as the soul, view the world. So it's like you're watching a movie and you see, you see the reflection there, but you don't actually touch it. You don't touch the world. Not, and also... Uh, as Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, the soul uh, is described as ascharyavat, which means amazing. But in the material world, uh, because it's grosser than we are, we can't find that ascharyavat in the material world for very long because it's just a reflection of reality. It's not reality. And if you look at the soul, you can be fascinated. And if you look at the source of your soul, Krishna, you can be eternally fascinated. And however, with the material world, there's no object here that we can remain permanently fascinated to because uh, it's, it's not uh, fulfilling to us. Nonetheless, because we don't have the orientation towards what is the actual purpose of life and where should I, how should I apply myself here in this world? Therefore, dhyayataha, I contemplate the objects of the senses. As I mentioned the other night, it's absolutely natural because there's a way in which our, our senses, uh, the sense objects are embedded in our mind. So when we look out and see the world, we think, oh, that's for me. I, it, it's, we feel a natural affinity and a connection to them. 
So we contemplate them and think, oh, this is good. So how to get out of that? Yet pada pankacha palasha vilasya bhakta karma shrayam gratitam udgratayam tisanta tadvanda rikta matayo yatayopi rudha shrotoganas tadaranam bhajavasudevam. This verse is in the fourth canto and it mentions that it, unless you get vilas, this means the, the pleasure, uh, the happiness that comes from the, uh, the beauty of Krishna and the beauty of Krishna's pastimes, Nam, Gup, Guna, Rup, and Lila, then uh, you, if you have that, then you can easily untie the knot of the material world. But if you don't, a rikta matayo means those who are like yogis who try to do it artificially just by restraining their senses. Rikta matayo means they're empty headed. <laughs> and rikta matayo yateopi rudha shrotoganas tamaranam because they're hit by these heavy waves of sense uh, gratification. And sometime the wave comes, it'll drag them away. They can't, they can't um, rise above it. But the devotees, yet pada pankacha palasa vilasya bhakta, because they're enjoying the rasa, then they can, uh, they're above the, the fray of the material world. Vishaya vinivartante nirahara sedehina rasa varjam raso pyasya param jishva nivartate, because they've tasted something superior to just the connection of the senses with their objects in the material world. Therefore, they're not even attracted to them anymore. No more contemplation, no more dhyayato. They contemplate it, but in a different attitude, because they look at it and say, how could I use that for Krishna? That's different. So they have enlightened engagement with the, with the world. Could we see the word for word again? So vishayan means a sense objects, whom uh, uh, some person sangha, a sangha sa, means anga, it becomes a part of you. You look at it and you say, oh, that's for me, I have to have that. And then you connect to it and then it becomes, it becomes an appendage on your body. <laughs> it's connected to you, you have to carry it around now. Uh, sangha, teshu, upajayate. So there's a development that comes from that, upajayate, sangha, from that, Develop, that attachment develops kama, a desire to enjoy it. So thinking, feeling, and willing. And so that starts to burn. And kama, from that desire, because you can't fulfill material desires, a material desire means by definition that you can't fulfill it. <laughs> That's important to keep in mind. Uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that Yehi sam sparshaja bhoga dukha yonaya evate adyanta vanta kontya nate shuramate buddha. Somebody tell me what that means. Gallery again, please. Don't give me the trans exact translation, just tell me what it means, somebody. Then Vets Maradzi Shadadevidasi. Hare Krishna Shadadevidasi. So Marad, basically it's talking about the pleasures that we get from the contact of the senses with the sense object. Yeah. Those who are wise, they do not indulge in these kind of activities because they know that we have a beginning and an end. Yes. And who, who could say a little bit more about what comes out of it? What comes out of it? Yeah. Satisfaction in the end. Like, you know, so listen to the verse. Yehi sam sparshacha bhoga 
Dukkha Yonaya Evite. So what does that mean? Dukkha. Dukkha. <laughs> Dukkha Yonai. Yonaya means it's he's using a metaphor here. It means the womb. So it's like something's born, right? Mm. What comes out of the womb? Unhappiness. Little Dookie. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! It's me, Dookie. So, you know, the Dookie comes out when you enjoy, you try to enjoy the contact with the senses and then Dookie's born. It's like, uh-oh, here's Dookie. Dookie comes and uh, he'll hang around. He won't leave. So that's a problem. So yeah, thank you, Shraddha. Perfect. And as Shraddha said, he knows as beginning and an end, I can't enjoy it. it. It's not a matter of I don't want to enjoy it. It's just, I can't, there is no enjoyment in this. It's only misery if I touch it. And I told you before in the commentary to the Vedanta Sutra, Vyasadeva says, the yogis, they're so aware of this, they become as sensitive as an eyeball. Balaram, how sensitive is an eyeball? Very sensitive. Yeah, if you put one tiny little hair on your eyeball, you won't be able to sleep. Let's speak of do anything else because it's so sensitive, right? So they're so sensitive to this principle that you get involved in the material world. Uh, happiness, especially the chladini, uh, Samskar, this uh, this samskar of happiness that I think I got some pleasure out of something that sticks in the mind and it becomes a, a continuing source of uh, as a repeating urges that uh, through this samskar that continue to push me. Now try it again, try it again, try it again. And if I keep trying, you get less and less happiness and you get addicted to it. And even though your intelligence says this is really stupid, you're killing yourself, you still can't stop. It's a, it's a real problem, the material world. You have to have a, a way to um, unentangle yourself. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur is talking about anartandavritti, and he said, you can't just do anartandavritti and try to give up bad habits. It's not going to work. You have to have arta pravritti, which means you have to add good habits. You have to over, you have to fill your life up with actual uh pleasurable activities that are connected to krishna that's bhakti and you know Prabhupada, he just taught people how to chant Hare krishna Hare krishna they went in the park dancing Hare krishna this is fun you know have some prasadam take prasadam come to the class this is nice listening to philosophy intelligence satisfied you know after some time he said get initiated take it seriously take initiated and the next day they come back to their room and there's a note on the door saying, by the way, here's the regulative principles. First of all, think of Krishna. Second of all, let all these other rules and regulations, they can come. So uh, there has to be art praviti, actual value in your life. So this verse is Krishna is showing us, this is what happens if you, when you go down the rabbit hole. Don't go down that rabbit hole. You look in there and you say, oh, something for me. Nope. What you're going to get for the first, this first verse, you end up at Krodha, which means that you become angry because I didn't get what I wanted. Anybody ever feel like that? You didn't get what you wanted? Whole world feels like that right now, right? Everyone's going like, ah, I can't get what I want. 
and people sing songs, you know, you can't always get what you want. If you try sometime, you might find you get what you need. You know, there, I, I mean, everyone can't get satisfaction. Everyone has this idea that it's, uh, you know, scarce resources, but not in bhakti. There's no scarce resources. Brahmachari sleeping on the floor is in ecstasy because getting up, reading Bhagavatam, chanting Hare Krishna, and feeling that vilasa. Yet pada pankacha palasa vilasya bhakta. You know, from bhakti, you actually get vilas. There's some real enjoyment there. So you don't care about the rest of the stuff because it doesn't attract you. Let's look at the next verse. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Krodhat Bhavati Samoha. So Krodhat, from anger, Bhavati takes place Samoha, perfect illusion. Samohat, from illusion, Smriti, memory, vibram, Vibramaha, bewilderment. Smriti Brahmshat, after bewilderment of memory, Buddhinasha, loss of intelligence, Buddhinashat, Pranashati, one falls down. Here's the translation. From anger, complete delusion arises. And from delusion, bewilderment of memory. And when memory is bewildered, intelligence is lost. And when intelligence is lost, one falls down again into the material pool. Srila Rupa Goswami has given this direction. Prapanchikataya buddhya harisam bandivastuna. By development of Krishna consciousness, one can know that everything has its use in the service of the Lord. Those who are without knowledge of Krishna consciousness artificially try to avoid material objects, and as a result, although they desire liberation from material bondage, they do not attain to the perfect stage of renunciation. Their so-called renunciation is palgu, or less intelligent. On the other hand, a person in Krishna consciousness knows how to use everything in the service of the Lord. Therefore, he does not become a victim of material consciousness. For example, for an impersonalist, the Lord or the Absolute, being impersonal, cannot eat. Whereas an impersonalist tries to avoid good eatables, a devotee knows that Krishna is the supreme enjoyer and that he eats all that is offered to him in devotion. So after offering good eatables to the Lord, the devotee takes the remnants called prasadam. Thus everything becomes spiritualized and there is no danger of downfall. The devotee takes prasadam in Krishna consciousness. Whereas the non-devotee rejects it as material, the impersonalist therefore cannot enjoy life due to his artificial renunciation. And for this reason, a slight agitation of the mind pulls him down again into the pool of material existence. It is said that such a soul, even though rising up to the point of liberation, falls down again due to his not having support in devotional service. Yeah, support. That verse, Ye neira vindaksha vimuktamani nastvayasta bhavada vashudha budaya, gallery. Aruya krishena paramparam tata patantikito nadrita yushmarangraya. This is a spoken by the demigods to Lord Krishna within the womb and they're praying to him and they said those who don't know you because he, he's just appearing now his personal form in the world they know he's 
coming. So if, if people don't know about, about your lotus eyes, the fact that you have a face, that you're very beautiful, then, um, then no matter what kind of so-called liberation they, they attain, they're going to fall down from it because it's not enough. I'll just, I was reading today in this ninth canto, just finishing the ninth canto today. And uh, in the last section of the purport from, actually, I'm going to read the whole thing, I think. I'll read the whole thing because this is nectarian. You're all in the mood to hear, right? That's all you want to do. You just want to hear Krishna Kata, right? Yeah. This is 92465. And this verse, Krishna's face is decorated with ornaments, such as earrings resembling sharks. His ears are beautiful, his cheeks brilliant, and his smiling attractive to everyone. Whoever sees Lord Krishna sees a festival. His face and body are fully satisfying for everyone to see. But the devotees are angry at the creator for the disturbance caused by the momentary blinking of their eyes. Purport as stated by the Lord Himself in Bhagavad Gita 7:3, Manushyanam Sahasreshu, Kashchid Yatati Siddhaye, Yatatam Pisidhanam, Kashchin Bam Veti Tatvataha. Out of many thousands among men, one may endeavor for perfection, and out of those who have achieved perfection, hardly one knows me in truth. Unless one is qualified to understand Krishna, one cannot appreciate the presence of Krishna on earth. Among the Bojas, Vrishnis, Andakas, Pandavas, and many other kings intimately related with Krishna, the intimate relationship between Krishna and the inhabitants of Vrindavan is especially to be noted. That relationship is described in this verse by the words Nityotsavam na tatripur drishibi pibantya. The inhabitants of Vrindavan, especially such as the coward boys, the cows, the calves, the gopis, and Krishna's father and mother were never fully satisfied, although they saw Krishna's beautiful features constantly. Seeing Krishna as described here as Nitya Utsava, a daily festival, the inhabitants of Vrindavan saw Krishna almost every moment. But when Krishna left the village for the pasturing grounds, where he tended the cows and calves, the gopis, were very much afflicted because they saw Krishna walking on the sand and thought that Krishna's lotus feet, which they dared not place on their breasts because they thought their breasts not soft enough, were being pierced by broken chips of stone. By even thinking of this, the gopis were affected and they cried at home. These gopis, who were therefore the exalted friends of Krishna, saw Krishna constantly but because their eyelids disturbed their vision of Krishna, the gopis condemned the creator, Lord Brahma. Therefore, the beauty of Krishna, especially the beauty of his face, is described here. At the end of the ninth canto, in the 24th chapter, we find a hint of Krishna's beauty. Now we are proceeding to the 10th canto, which is, which is considered Krishna's head. The entire Srimad Bhagavat Purana is the embodiment of Krishna's form, and the 10th canto is his face. This verse gives a hint of how beautiful his face is. Krishna's smiling face with his cheeks, his lips, the ornaments in his ears, his chewing of betel nuts. All this was minutely observed by the gopis 
who thus enjoyed transcendental bliss, so much so that they were never fully satisfied to see Krishna's face, but instead condemned the creator of the body by making, for making eyelids that obstructed their vision. The beauty of Krishna's face was therefore much more appreciated by the gopis than by his friends, the coward boys, or even by Yashoda Mata, who was also interested in decorating the face of Krishna. I talk about Hiranmayena Patreina Satyasa Pihitam Mukam, this is the devotee praying, oh, please remove the effulgency, I see your face. And in Vrindavan, you know, Mother Yashoda is decorating Krishna's face. The gopis are, are, are watching every move in his face and observing the beauty of it. And this is bhakti. Uh, there is a face. Otherwise, klesho di kartarastesham avyakta sakta chetasam avyakta katir dukam it's very difficult for anyone to uh, make advancement in the spiritual life if, you, if you're only considering the avyakta, the unmanifested form of the Lord, because there's nothing, there's no vilas, there's no relishment there. And uh, that has to be there. In order to overcome sense gratification, one has to actually have something superior. Yeah, we were on questions and reflections. Hare Krishna Maharaj. This is this is Ashray Madhav Das. Hare Krishna Ashray Madhav. Good to see you. Yeah. Um, I just there are some questions on the board. I don't know if do you want me to read it to you I'm going, or I'm going now. Okay, okay, thank you. Just now only. This question is on the board. Why is Krishna's mercy called causeless? Well, it's, it's actually redundant. Causeless mercy is a redundant term because mercy means causeless. I think about the difference between the word mercy and justice which would you rather have mercy okay yeah mercy because it means you're getting something you didn't really deserve it's like all right i did it just forgive me give me mercy and it's like okay here's the mercy hey krishna karuna sindhu dina bando jagatpate gopesha gopika kanta rada kanta namostate krishna is an ocean of mercy so you know, this is what it means, really, that uh, he, he's so full and he's so perfect that everyone who comes in contact with him becomes uh, benefited, uh, no matter who they are. Uh, back to the seventh canto, you know, gopya uh, kamad, the gopis, because of um, that they were lusty for him, you know, they saw a beautiful young boy, so they became perfect. And then bhayat uh, kamso. So bhayat means that kamsa was afraid of him. So he was always thinking, oh, Krishna, 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 I got to kill him. <laughs> He's going to kill me. So uh, he attained perfection. Dveshach chaydyad drino nripa. The kings like uh, Chedi, uh, you know, Shishupal, 
he was always dwesha. He was always dweshats. He was always uh, envious and angry at Krishna. Uh, first words that came out of his mouth when he started his baby talk were all blasphemy of Krishna. <laughs> and then, all then, uh, you know, all of these uh, people, because of their because they were meditating on Krishna, they attained perfection. But then, Shukadev says but not Vena. Vena didn't get anything. He just went to hell because Vena, <laughs> Vena didn't think of Krishna. He thought he was, he thought he was God. So he ignored Krishna completely. So in any way, tasmat kenap manak krishna nivesha yet. Somehow or other, fix your mind upon Krishna because he's the ocean of mercy. Um, and mercy means causeless. It comes by Krishna's very nature uh, you you get mercy just by being close to him. Even if you're killed by him, you get mercy. Hare Krishna. Uh, Prabhu, you just mentioned about King Vena. So I was thinking that, uh, I mean, Vena did not hear about Krishna, but later Prithu Maharaj came out of Vena, that is his son. And that's the identity he gave, that uh, son of Vena. So I was wondering that if, because of that, it, King Vena didn't receive any mercy that <laughs> he had a son like Pridhamaraj who was in condition of the Lord and in that way didn't he get some mercy from like the uh, uh, rishis who cursed him uh, to die. Where is that from? No, no, I'm asking Prabhu. Uh, uh, like uh, from King Vena, Pridhamaraj uh, took birth, right? Right. Yeah, so he is an incarnation of the Lord. So I was wondering Prabhu if Due to Pitu Maharaj, uh, Vena got some mercy at last because uh, to have a son like Pitu Maharaj, uh, I mean, won't be Pitu Maharaj be able to like deliver King Vena in that way? Well, uh, I don't want to speculate because it's not mentioned in the Bhagavatam about that, but it certainly is an interesting proposition that we can look into a little bit more. Okay, bro. Thank you. <laughs> I was just okay. Um, no, it's a, it's a it's a nice point, but I can't comment on it because there's no, I haven't read anything specific about that. Um, but I will look into it. Apara Gorangi gave this reflection. Um, there are just ten things between us and Krishna Prema, the ten offenses. Yeah, so it's a simple process, but you know, overcoming the offenses. Uh, is um, vital. It's vital. Uh, from Alexander and Valentina, Hare Krishna. Question, empty-headed is also kind of without Shastra, without hearing, or without connection. Yes. This uh, Rikta Mateo, empty-headed, means without connection, without hearing, from Shastra. Um, means they don't have proper direction. Divyangi, thanks for the example of fish. I feel like we can see it a lot, even among devotees. How can we deal with this kind of consciousness, especially in more senior devotees than myself, for example? Well, uh, Prabhupada mentions in the Bhagavatam that there are all kinds of personalities that we can see in the Bhagavatam that they go through various uh, trials and tribulations. Uh, 
by um, because of contact with the material world. It's a it's a um, a place matraswasa duhitrava nava viktasa no bavet balavanindriagramo vidvamsam apikarshiti. Ninth canto, Srimad Bhagavatam mentions. Because you have to be careful here because you could be captured in any minute by Maya. Don't think that your Balavadindriagramo Vidvamsa means uh, even the even the very learned persons, very advanced persons, Vidvamsa Apikarshati, they can also be uh, vanquished by Maya within a second. Uh, so, so Prabhupada writes, you should have to be cautious and sagacious. So be really careful. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Trinata Pisunicha na, Turur Apisuhishnuna, Amanina Amanadena, Kirtaniya Sadahri. Just give respect to everybody. Learn how to do that. Just be humble. Trinata Pisunicha na. Be as humble as grass. Don't walk around thinking, like, I got this together. I know who, you know. Uh, <laughs> Nirmana, don't be the man. Nirmana Moha. Jita Sangha Dosha, give up this attitude that I'm the man, I'm the center, um, and be humble. And it, all success comes from that. So, so Prabhupada says, be cautious and be sagacious. Somebody cuts you off, be sagacious. Don't get caught up. And be careful the way you move around in the world, because anybody can get implicated here really easily and can make offenses. You know, Sabari Muni, he was a very powerful yogi. So powerful that one opulent king saw him. So this king was so opulent that he, I mean, nobody could estimate his wealth. And when he saw Sabari Muni, after Sabari decided to become a grahasta, he just manifested by his mystic potency. Such opulence, the king said, ah, forget it. <laughs> I can't compete with this. He just gave up the idea of being uh, a fancy king because he said, you know, this is impossible. And so, so Bari Muni, you know, what did he do? He offended Garuda and he made, a, he made a mistake. And later he thought, you know, I should be more careful. You see, you'll see this throughout the Bhagavatam that, uh, you know, somebody gets angry, especially they have some power and then they curse somebody and they go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then, but it's already done. So they have to uh, take it back, like Shukracharya cursed Yayati to become an old man. And then he thought, oh my God, I just, I forgot. He's married to my daughter. She's not going to like this very much. <laughs> so then he said, okay, you could trade your old age to somebody, trade it to one of your sons. So, you know, be careful. Be really careful. Um, how to, this is from Sundarananda, Hare Krishna. Sundarananda Prabhu said, how to develop a sensitive eye for the rabbit hole. When I sometimes contemplate a connection with material nature, it doesn't hurt immediately, but that, that association over time develops, ca causes suffering at another time. Well, really, um, as I was saying before, it's more important for arta pravriti, adding the um, positive samskars, the bhakti, uh, getting a, attached to that is more important than trying to walk around avoiding the rabbit holes. I mean, you know, the Jains, they go around, they follow a hingsa probably more meticulously than anybody we know. 
the the Orthodox Jains, and they put on a mask. Of course, that's a you know pretty common now. They put on a mask, and then they they have a little broom. They sweep everywhere they go. Don't step on anything. And uh, of course, it doesn't ultimately work because it's impossible to avoid. But the fact is that you know they're they're trying to organize things from that side. Uh, that is to avoid making any missteps in the world and so forth, avoid all the rabbit holes. Yeah, we want to be careful. But uh, the best way to be careful, the best defense is a good offense in this case, to develop arta pravriti, uh, really develop strong devotional habits, because ultimately that's what uh, keeps us free from the rabbit holes. And even if... You know, devotees throughout the Bhagav throughout the Gita and the Bhagavatam, those who are on are in the practice of devotional service and who have great determination for it, if something happens to them, they're not vanquished. For instance, I'll give you some examples from the eleventh canto of the Bhagavatam, famous verse Swapada Mulambajatapriasya Taktanya Bhavasya Hare Priyeshaha. This verse says that if a devotee does some vikarma, somehow or other, because sometimes in anarta, it's deep down in the subconscious and then it comes floating up like a bubble out of the bottom of the pond, you know, just out of nowhere. And that's what the verse means, just out of somehow or other it comes up and the devotee makes a misstep, vikarma. Then somehow or other, a Krishna is there within the heart. He's entered the heart of the devotee who has this intention to serve him. And therefore the devotee only need go on serving and he'll be rectified. And of course, and then Narada says in the fifth, Chapter of the Bhagavatam, first canto, the Vajano Jato Katanchana Rajan Mukunda Sevan Yava Angasam Sritim Smaran Mukundang Rupa Guhanam Punar Vihatamichena Rasagrahojana. That a devotee never falls down the rabbit hole like other people do because the devotee has been embraced by the Lord in the practice of devotional service, even beginners, they feel it. And therefore, even if they somehow or other fall away from devotional service temporarily, then smaran mukundang grupa guhanam punar rasa they keep remembering that rasa again and again. That oh, I I I tasted that. I was in that. I was with the devotees. I I had that thing, and they they can't forget it, uh, no matter how far away they go. Even yayati, you know. For thousands of years, he tried to enjoy when he got his youth back. And then he finally came to the conclusion. It's like, what a waste of time. And it says there right in the Bhagavatam that after a thousand years of trying to enjoy, uh, he said, um, he said, uh, he, actually, Bhagavatam mentions in his heart, he was always thinking, I'm a devotee of Krishna. Why am I doing so much sense gratification? And, and as soon as he decided to give it up, he just, it, he immediately came out of it. He already had that cultivation there within his heart. It's not an excuse to, to slip. It's not an excuse to walk away from bhakti. That's also an offense. 
thinking, oh, Krishna will save me, so therefore I'll do some nonsense. That's, that's an offense. But the fact is that Krishna will save you if you're a sincere devotee and something happens and you accidentally step or fall into a rabbit hole, he'll pull you right back out. If you just keep practicing devotional service. But you can also, you know, just make a note, note to self. There are rabbit holes around, be careful. That's what being cautious means. And then, thanks Sundar Prabhu, what a nice question. Shrisha, a reflection, Hare Krishna. It reminds me uh, two divisions of flickering mind. One, avirodha priti, unrestricted attachment. Two, viroda yukta krota, anger arising from frustration. Yes. And it's nice we have all these technical terms and definitions because then you can observe the psychology, your own psychology. And anonymous, uh-oh, dare I read this, Balaram? An anonymous question? These are dangerous. Hearing about how beautiful Krishna's face is reminded me of Srimad Bhagavatam 3.8.27 and how just by meditating upon Krishna's face, all distress is vanquished. However, such darshan is very far away from me. How do I maintain a sense of urgency to develop enough love for Krishna that Krishna gives me this darshan? Our main concern is to hear the holy name uh, because the holy name is Krishna himself. And when when we do kirtan and when we do japa and we f fix our fix our faith and our minds on the holy name then we have we have direct association with krishna from that comes uh, nam gun rup lila one by one one after another narada explains this in the fifth chapter of the first canto when he says, Iti If you want the complete darshan of the Lord, start with the holy name. So we're not, we don't artificially do smarnam. Smarnam, we don't try to artificially fix our mind on, uh, on the form of the Lord. We listen to the holy name and fix our, name, uh, our mind on the holy name. And Gradually, uh, when the chitta, the consciousness becomes purified, then naturally, satvam bishudam vasudeva shabditam na iete tatra puman apavrita, then it becomes uncovered and we naturally will be able to see the form of the Lord manifest there. But we don't have to artificially try to see the form of the Lord uh, before we have the adhikari to do that. We, we um, of course, we have the system where we uh, contemplate the deity, we dress the deity, we sit before the deity and see the deity, but we don't have to artificially do smarnam. The holy name does, does everything uh, from that position, Narada said, just by hearing the holy name and chanting the holy name. I'm revisiting the question because I got carried away and I forgot what, anonymous. So how do I develop urgency enough? Love, so urgency also means it means um, a greed or lobe. And that lobe manifests um, in the progressive stages of devotional service, especially by uh, passing through an art and and coming past Ruchi into Asakti. And then by the association of pure devotees, we can also develop lobe or intense greed for uh, bhakti. 
and for hearing about Krishna. And that's actually the prerequisite for really entering into bhakti. Because um, uh, bhakti, Krishna bhakti ras bhavato mati kriyatam yadi kritopi labhyate tata lauliam apimulyam ekalam janmakoti sukritirna labhyate. Rupa Goswami writes that um, the only price for bhakti is uh, laulium, intense greed to have it, that you want it more than anything else. This is a symptom of asakti. I mean, asakti means that it's the only thing that matters to you is getting Krishna. And that's the stage that uh, one has to come to in order to get Krishna. You don't want anything else. Nothing else added, only this. It's your, it's your ma- uh, only obsession. So Krishna bhakti ras bhavitomati kriyatam lab kritopi lab tatalolyam mulyamekalam. This is the root cause of devotional service. Janmakoti sukritirna labhita. You can't get bhakti in millions of lifetimes just by doing pious work. It's impossible. It doesn't come from that realm. It comes from association with uh, uh, the sadhus who carry Krishna within their heart, carry love for Krishna within their heart. And then by that association, by hearing in the association of devotees and serving, gradually uh, by the mercy of the Vaishnavas, that loba or intense greed begins to awaken in one's heart. Prabhupada used to uh, uh, talk about some of these uh, terminologies like ruchi. And one day in a class in Los Angeles, he, he stops in the class and he said, you all have ruchi. And he said, every day I come here, I sit down and I give class and I say the same things. And every day you come and sit and you listen to the class. He said, this means you have ruchi. <laughs> you have taste. Uh, for hearing. And this is the most important part. If you have that intensity, uh, that intense desire that I have to hear about Krishna. This is Kapila Devi said, when, when bhakti comes above the three modes of material nature, in other words, you're no longer contaminated by even sattva, then the, the symptom is that you want to hear constantly. Madguna shruti matrina mai sarva gahashe manogatir avichina yata gangambaso mudao. He said it's like the Ganga. The Ganga just goes and it doesn't stop for anybody or anything. You get in the way, it'll just wash you away. And when that is your desire that I have to hear about Krishna, and that's uh, the main driving force, then this is the symptom. Lakshanam bhakti yogasya nirgunasya hudaritam says it's the lakshana, the quality of pure bhakti that you want to hear. You have that greed to hear more and more. And last one. I remember one of the purports mentioned that not everyone who has attained perfection knows the Lord fully. What kind of perfection is this? Well, no one knows the Lord fully, even the Lord himself, because he's always increasing. So this is mentioned in Bhagavatam that even Krishna doesn't know all his own qualities. He doesn't know his own potencies because they're so unlimited and they're always expanding. So who can know uh, Krishna unlimitedly? 
perfection for each person, uh, as Kaviraj Goswami writes in the end of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, birds fly in the, high, in the sky as high as they're able. So each person, he said, now I've, I've tried my best. <laughs> I did what I could to write about, about the glories of Mahaprabhu. Well, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm a bird, I'm limited. So who can do? You do according to your capacity. And probably used to look at Saraswati, little girl, she'd go around and she'd say, uh, do you know who Krishna is? People go, no, who is Krishna? And you said, he's the Supreme Personality of God. Probably said, this is perfect. So that was her capacity. She did it so sincerely. And she said that. So do every day according to your capacity and your capacity will increase. And Prabhupada writes about that in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, fourth chapter, 34th verse, second to last purport, where he talks about the appreciating capacity of every living entity towards the Lord. Even the, even the protozoan in the ocean, are there protozoan in the ocean? Yeah, there could be. There could be? <laughs> they, have, they have a capacity for appreciating Krishna called Annamoy, because they, they uh, you know, they're eating a little something, a little something to wet their beak they get. And uh, little birds, everybody's taking from Krishna uh, and they have some capacity. When you come to the human form of life, you have potential to, comp to really increase that capacity a lot. And that's bhakti. It means to get the association of Vaishnavas who have huge capacity and, and to work on yourself. Work on yourself to increase your capacity for bhakti, especially for hearing and chanting. And jive doi krishnanam sarva dharmasar. Give compassion to other living beings. Because the more you do that, the more Krishna gives you mercy and the more capacity you develop. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna. Shri Kartik Vrat Ki Jai. Hey,